to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Anne Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Anne is joined by Nick Opich, who is filling in for Lewis, who took a much-needed day off. Today, Anne and Nick talk with a true industry OG, Bob Luciano, a.k.a. Mr. Natural. As a Vietnam veteran, Bob is a tireless advocate for the use of medical cannabis in treating veterans living with conditions like PTSD and chronic pain. His brand, Mr. Natural, was just acquired by Australia's Capital, and Bob talked with Ann and Nick about his introduction to cannabis while serving in Vietnam, his cultivation of marijuana in Jamaica, and ultimately the sale of his business to Australis. In short, Mr. Natural has seen it all. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation with Mr. Natural. So Nick, hey, you are, you are playing the role of Lewis Goldberg this yeah, week. Yeah, we kicked him out. We kicked him out of the office. They moved my desk over next to his, so now um, I get to take over the mic when he's not here. So now do I have <laughs> to ask you for a raise? Uh, yeah, once I'm done talking <laughs> to uh, Joe, our CFO, about getting mine first. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been keeping you busy this week? Oh, man. Uh, this week, so we're recording this podcast on on May 17th, so by the time this gets out, the event will be done, but um, I'm helping uh, organize and run KCSA's uh, inaugural Cannabis uh, Congressional Forum down at the whoop, U.S. Whoop. Capitol. Um, so it's it's a really big endeavor for us as, as a firm to be able to take on. So we're going to be hosting f- or we've hosted five panels at the at the U.S. Capitol. Um, <laughs> we will have hosted. Yeah, we will have hosted. <laughs> um, but it's but it's been a really uh, fun but challenging experience. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about um, opioids, uh, veterans issues, um, which we're going to get into deeper once we talk with Mr. Natural uh, later on in this episode. Um, uh, yeah, opioids, veterans, just capital markets and banking, social justice issues, and then also expanding more on the CBD market. And we're, and we're doing all of this um, in association with the, the Congressional uh, Cannabis Caucus. So um, uh, Earl Blumenauer, uh, Barbara friend Lee. Friend of the pod. Friend we'll of call the pod. him that. Yeah, but then also uh, uh, David Joyce and, and Don Young. So, so congressional leaders and cannabis act advocates in in the legislature, I think, was really important for us to be able to get involved in this. And actually, as we've uh, gone through the planning process of it, we got more uh, legislators reaching out to us asking how they could get involved. So um, it's been a very cool experience, but challenging um, to get all of this uh, this big event together hurting cats um <laughs> and a little it, bit <laughs> it, and i guess it all ends in the culmination of the screening of weed the people which is um ricky lake um and abby epstein's uh documentary that we we had them on gosh like yeah six, more than six months ago a long time more, ago more friends of the pod yeah um, yeah, so they've been they've been wonderful throughout the whole planning process in uh, you know val- uh, providing some extra resources for us in, in terms of design and contacts and stuff there. And so actually, the way it worked out is this turned out to be the Washington D.C. premiere of this documentary, um, and we, we we have the families uh, out there and being able to participate and with Ricky and Abby um, speaking to the audience uh, about the filming of it and just you know their personal interactions with these families and the families will have a chance to uh, to have. 
spoken as well. So it, it's a really cool event because I think, especially with what we talk about on this podcast, it gets really kind of the nitty gritty on the financial stuff. But it's important to remember um, the the ways medical cannabis really helps people on on a everyday basis. Just be able to to cope and handle some of the pain that they're dealing with, and and sometimes that can just get forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for you guys. I'm I'm not going, which I'm super bummed about. Um, but I'm really excited for the whole team and for all of our clients who are involved. And I'm I'm really super psyched to hear um, what happens after. So I I think we'll probably dedicate some pod time to it in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, that'll be it'll yeah. be super fun. And b- before we wrap up our, our little open opening banter, I want to give a shout out to the the organizer of everything, Gretchen Gailey, who yeah. um, who, who we've heard on the podcast before. Um, but she's really done an incredible job of uh, you know staying on track, keeping everybody in line, keeping all the the panelists and moderators happy. So uh, it wouldn't have been able to happen without her. Good job, GG. We'll have her on too because I think it'll be good to do like a a wrap up and kind of hear the behind the scenes of of what happened and what worked and what didn't, and that'll be really fun. Oh, yeah, I imagine she'll have some good stories. I mean, nothing will have not worked, obviously, but... <laughs> Ways we can improve. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're super excited to talk to uh, Bob Luciano, Mr. Natural. So without further ado, let's get into it. Bob, thank you so much for uh, uh, taking the time to join us here on The Green Rush. We are really excited to have you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So let's kind of start off uh, with a little bit of your origins, because you, when we jumped on the call, you said you're, you're good with Bob, but um, I've talked mm-hmm. with some of your colleagues and they always would call you natural. So can you kind of tell us about the origins of uh, your natural name, Mr. Natural? And was how did this uh, name come about? Was it something you had before cannabis? Uh, no, it came actually it came in Jamaica. Me and my wife went over there in Jamaica and started a juice uh, a restaurant called Mr. Natural Cafe. And in Jamaica, people pick up what, whatever you are. They, they, they give you your name. If you open up Ross Bike Rental, they'll call you Ross. So you <laughs> pick up the name of your lifestyle. So we picked up the name uh, Mr. Natural. But my wife developed really the name because of the food that we were producing. We, we, we were always producing organic food, and we looked for organic that's the key element of our lifestyle. We even use our organic mattress to sleep on because we're against the chemical industry. So, and you, are you living in Jamaica full time? Uh, no, I did live in Jamaica for about five to seven years full time uh, where we established a restaurant. I learned a lot about the culture of the Rastafarian. I used to go back and forth from the 70s because of Vietnam. We really weren't welcome home that much. So I went to Jamaica and I found out a lot about cultivation when I was in Jamaica. And we met a lot of different people from different cultures in order to bring in, you know, what I've learned a lot about cultivation through different cultures in Jamaica. Well, that actually leads us into the next question is, you know, talk a little bit about your your backstory and and specifically your cannabis story. It it sounds like it started in the, the 60s and the 70s. It started uh, real reality during the Vietnam era mm-hmm. in Vietnam. So uh, I started using cannabis in Vietnam probably during the war because I, I, I grew up in the Bronx. So, like, you know, we went into the jungle and stuff like that. I knew nothing about the Vietnam War. I know that Vietnam and cannabis 
you know, we, you went over there and everybody, you either smoked weed or you didn't smoke, you drank alcohol or you did other drugs. It, it was with me, it was, it let, let, led me away. And uh, during battle, you know, like when, when you, before the war, before battle, you blazed. But it was, what happened was after battle on, you don't know what you were doing. I mean, like you, you grew up in the city and all of a sudden you're involved with bloodshed. So mm -hmm. it, it was the aftermath of battle that uh, the cannabis, you know, like uh, was more was more beneficial on the medicinal side with PTSD and with other benefits medicinally. But you didn't realize that until after the war. You just smoked. And where did you get it? Like when you were in Vietnam, was it local? You know, were you getting it from locals? Were you bringing it with you from the States? No, you got it locally from the Vietnamese. There was some people that brought it in from California when we were there. And they, they were newbies. And people laughed because the weed from California at that time period was Mexican weed. Weed from all over was full of seeds. So in Vietnam, that's where we first learned about Sinsimilia. So with, with me in Vietnam, was uh, w w what was created with cannabis was the difference between war and peace. So we did get it locally, but that's where we found out about growing Sinsimilia. And that's how it got from Hawaii to California. So the whole cannabis industry and the medicinal benefits of cannabis, to my feelings, started in Vietnam. And what happened with me was there's a lot of Vietnam veterans you know, like they went to drugs, alcohol, because we were portrayed as, as killers when, you know, like most of them that were potheads couldn't understand it. So they, they stayed on the balance of, of weed. And a lot of the people that came back and have stories about Vietnam that even though they were horrific, they were able to smoke weed and live the normal lifestyle. They didn't go involved with other things. And that's what happened with me, with when I found out about weed. So a lot of times when we went out there, you know, because we've seen the sense familiar. So I went out there and learned on what they were doing. I learned about, oh, well, lead male plant. It's, it's, it's this. It looks just like it's got testicles that hang. <laughs> so I learned a lot about, <laughs> it's true. But I learned a lot about uh, when I came back and went to Jamaica, we found out that different climates affected the weed differently and different soils affected the taste and qualities of the weed. And each one of the strains has a different medicinal effect. That I noticed in Vietnam. When we came back is that, whoa, when I came back here and got cannabis, it was scattered. You, you, you got high, but you never had a medicinal effect. And so, and so it sounds like you, you, you've kind of had two different countries of origin influencing your, your early cannabis. But how did you first really start to, uh, I guess, introduce cannabis, your cannabis use into the United States? Like, what did you bring back from uh, Jamaica? And how did that help you grow the Mr. Natural brand? And can you give us more of the, uh, the backstory around Mr. Natural? How we, how we got, uh, when I brought back to Jamaica was the Batuano because that was the key element in growing that you would mix into the soil. Even now, and when we grow outdoor cannabis, we use bat, Jamaican bat guano because it's a nutrient that's rich. So a lot of the guanos or bat 
you know, guanos from all over the country would go into the soil. And that's what we found out in the soil culture. So you, the seeds, people bring seeds into Jamaica. And that's what we found out about strains also, is we learned about, well, when somebody would bring in a seed, you can only get one crop out of it because everybody else grows. So it would, it would pollinate your, your crop. So you could never have a direct strain. So what I found out is if a lot of times we've got, remember I said before that it was a mixture of cultures. So mm-hmm. people would bring in their seeds and ask us to grow it, even for the following year, so they could have a little of the strength that they liked it. You were able to grow weed. The Rastafarians always grew weed. So I learned a lot about them through them about the mind, body, and spiritual effects of weed. That it's what you put in is what you get out of it. So there's uh, a lot. Of, it, it became a mission to me. Okay, but uh, so kind of give us the origins then of uh, the Mister Natural brand. What was the impetus for uh, for launching that? Well, what? Well, we we had our, our our restaurant in Jamaica. We were in the middle of the entertainment area, and a lot of Rastafarians came in to eat, and we we blaze organic weed. We grew organic weed. So they would come in here and share the stories. And before the shows, they would say, oh, you know, like I would go in to see all the shows because a lot of the uh, clubs would come and get their weed from us because we grew good weed. So we would go in there and they tell, they would always announce Mr. Naturals in the area. Cause I went to every show. We lived in Jamaica and it's like a, a seven mile strip. So we went to every show. So the DJs would say, Mr. Naturals in the area, Mr. Naturals in the area. And it's Jamaica. So you're known all over the, all over the East coast at that time. So one time I went in Miami and I was having, I was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. And this kid runs up and he says, yo, there's Mr. Natural. There's Mr. Natural. <laughs> you have arrived. <laughs> yeah, so that's how the brand came. That's how we developed the brand. And then I guess talk about, are, are you, and, and you brought that brand to California or, you know, I guess where's the home of the brand? So it started in Jamaica, but where are you growing now? It, well, we, we, start, we went into California and ironically, we started the brand name uh, on the, where, where we became a collective in 2009 because of the L.A. gem. At, at that time period, we were a legal uh, cultivation under the collective laws, but we, we used to only get involved with one dispensary in uh, Southern California. At that time period, it was Lake Forest Alternative, and they came in with the very first cannabis cup. It was called the L.A. gem harvest cup. So I says, whoa. Let's go and enter that. So you had to be linked up with a dispensary. So that's how we became, uh, we, we, we entered that cup and then we, we won it. We won first place. So we never, we never advertised or anything. We just go good weed. So then we entered the High Times Cup. Started the very first cannabis cup was in 2010 in San Francisco. So I says, whoa, man, this is like, you know, I'm, I'm 68 years old. So this is like a pothead's dream. <laughs> so I says, all right, we entered the cup. And, you know, I was, I was in New York. We own property in New York. And we had a juice bar under the name Mr. Natural. So we had trademarked that under the juice bar at the time. So we also already had Mr. Natural Inc. 
So we entered it under Mr. Natural Inc. And where in New York? Are you talking the Bronx or upstate? Uh, up, upstate New York at that time period in Chautauqua County. So it was really great. You know, we lived there. We still grow in California. It was only a summer place. So I was in New York and, and Albert, the guy that we, the one I ran the dispensary with, he says, yo, natural. We won. We won the first High Times Cup. I says, whoa. So we retired at winning the Cups after that because we rather set the plateau for people that work with us. You know, all the growers to set the standards of what they have to do. Because we never want to be the best. We always want to get better. Because if we're the best, that means that's as high as you can get. Well, that's the only medicinal benefits as you can get. And I'm still not old enough that I want to retire, keep on learning. It, and is is cannabis your full-time gig now? No, so no more restaurants or juice bar? Okay. No, it's educating. It's more on the educating people on the medicinal benefits. I do believe that we're the roots of the tree, but you're the, you're the people that's going to take it forward, man. It's, it's <laughs> not me anymore. I could teach, but I want to learn. So I could pass it on to my children, my, my grandchildren. I have great-grandchildren. So this is their potential way of life economically. And maybe, maybe we'll save the world, man. You know, I'm organic, so it's good for the planet. It's not only good for us, it's good for the planet. Yeah, and I just want to point out our, our ability to, to, to help drive the cannabis industry forward really comes from you you and your generation laying the groundwork a long time ago. So really, thank you also for, for allowing us to finally get to this position. Well, remember what I said at the beginning, I really appreciate that I have this interview with you because you know what, through, especially through Terry Booth and Aurora and Astralis, who made this possible for, for me to be able to go nationwide and a global on a global with me. Well, let so at my age. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. At my age, we won the, we won the very first cannabis cup. You know what I mean? So at my age right now, it's what you could do. And when you could uh, show your children and great grandchildren, children that you've done. And when you could live with yourself to say, well, you were part of changing the world, man, on a beneficial basis. That's what I got out of Rastafarian, and that's what I got out of uh, this, my side effects of the Vietnam conflict. When I, when I was there, it wasn't called the war yet. It was called the conflict. You know, you, Bob, you had mentioned your um, relationship with, uh, with Terry and the guys at Aurora and the guys at Australis. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, how that, how that deal came about? So, so Australis... Um, acquired Mr. Natural. So I guess, how does it, two things, one is how did that deal come about? And two is, um, how do you feel about kind of corporate cannabis coming in and, and scooping you up? Well, in all honesty, there's a lot of people that wanted to do, uh, deals with us, but Terry Booth is a major influence on me because he's so much on the medicinal side. I'm more on the medicinal side. I mean, recreational is all good because we all started doing it for recreational reasons. But with recreational, what happens is we take out the research and development on medicinal. And that's mm -hmm. where me at my age, that's what I care more about because there's a lot of people that are doing opioids and they're addicted to the pharmaceuticals and taking things that could destroy other elements of their body. Harry was a key element 
we there was we were doing an inhaler with another gentleman at the time period, and I met Terry Booth. And at that time period, we spoke, we kept in touch. And he says that he was going to lie. They couldn't do nothing, and they wanted to bring us on a global market. So we went up and we looked at their, their one site that they just started doing in Canada, and we gave our interpretation on what they need to do to make it better. And they says, yeah, they're doing research and development. So we always kept in touch. So uh, we, they told us about Astralis and how they were going to launch Astralis, and it would be a great way to bring uh, us on the global market is through Astralis. So he introduced me to Scott Bowdy. And, I, you know, Scott, he's, he's like, yo, he's very, he knows what he's doing and what he's doing. He put together a great management team. And I've never partnered prior to this with anybody. But through Scott and, and the way he explained it, the way we would go from California, because we've already got a well-recognized name in California. We started in SoCal, mm-hmm. and then we went up to Northern California. It was represented by a whole group, Colas, which is a, a group of 13 or 14 dispensaries in Northern California. They're mostly targeted the Sacramento area, which is the capital. We, we got involved with them. That's another part of the story. But anyway, uh, they said that we'll go through Vegas and bring out the brand nationwide because, you know, everything that he said involved with premium had to do more involved with me. Premium means organic and that we can concentrate on strains and medicinal values of the strains. So they intrigued me on bringing it nationwide and on the global market. So they met up with every bit of their word, what they said they do so far. So, yeah, they're great guys. We actually, we spoke with, um, Scott a couple of weeks ago at this point for the podcast. So, um, yeah, what the, what they're doing over there is really, really smart. Um, but you know, I think something that's really unique about you is that, um, you're, um, very active in lobbying the VA to become, um, more accepting of medical, medical cannabis. And you had just, you know, alluded to the fact that, you know, if we just look at this as a, as a recreational drug, you lose out on, on some of the medicinal benefits and some of the research. Can you discuss some of the work that you do to lobby the VA? Oh yes. Well, I have it all. I, I have a prescription on file with the VA for post-traumatic stress disorder and pain management. And you're like the only one, right? Well, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one at this time period. Hopefully, hopefully every veteran will have the opportunity to be one. But we're involved with, my, as my, during the process, my wife developed a salve that we find that we go through demos. And we've literally given it to one, of the, one or two, three of the doctors at the VA. And they say it works. So, you know what, we, we my strains, are on file on my medical records. So we went with Australis as this is one of the other reasons that I went with Australis and what they want to do. They care a lot, especially Terry Booth with Aurora about veterans. Yeah. You know, like I'm a veteran, I'm a Vietnam veteran. So I really care about veterans, especially about the opioid abuse. So I lobby and we give talks involved with every time I go to an appointment, I talk to, all veterans, and I have my doctor almost on board, which she gave us information about Sue Sicily and the work that they mm-hmm. were doing with PTSD and veterans. So I'm very active because that's our future. You know, like, you know, like I, I, 
even the veterans that are coming back, you know, like they have no future right now. All they get them on is opioids and everything else like that. When I came back, there was the post office gave you jobs with the VA and the government should get involved with growing weed and giving veterans opportunity to learn how to grow it, like through project transitions and, and making salves and other elements like Israel is for PTSD for active military. Mm-hmm. That's a great mm-hmm. idea. There's a lot of things that I feel that could be done through the VA, especially because, you know, with us, if, if veterans don't, if they don't allow this to be done with veterans, what rights are, are normal citizens are going to have? What rights are my grandchildren? If they don't allow me to do this with cannabis, then how could my grandchildren and great grandchildren get involved with it? Then corporate America will take it over. Yeah, and we've seen uh, politicians like John Boehner, um, who was a staunch, uh, staunchly against cannabis uh, during his time actually in office. But since he since he's retired, um, he's come out in support of medical cannabis specifically because of the way it can help uh, it, it can help veterans. So, can you kind of talk about maybe what veterans can be doing to maybe reach out to the VA themselves or um, recommend some ways that they can uh, connect with their doctors or look for resources to uh, get uh, medical cannabis notify all 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 patients that are involved with cannabis clubs and or dispensaries notify the VA that you're looking for alternatives because they're recognizing and they well will work with you but at one point the VA if you had showed tat cannabis on your blood test they would suspend all pain medication for you what you don't do that really that's what they yeah, that's what they used to do. And we brought it to the attention of the VA because I don't take pain medicines. I don't take, I use cannabis. And like I, for 10 years, I've had it on my medical records. I have blood tests twice a year. My blood is getting better, ironically. And I think the VA recognizes that. It's good for everything. And the doctors are starting to realize it. So the first thing I could say to veterans is put it on your records that you're utilizing it. Notify the VA that you're getting more medicinal benefits from it. We do that when we, we, when we were in California, me and my wife, we used to go on demos because she's the salve works. It's the largest organ on your body. And it's where THC really activates the CBD. It just really does. It's a transmitter. And you can't get high from putting it on your body, but you can't infuse it with other essential oils as my wife found out she's fantastic on the skin thing about it so well what do you think it's going to take to finally push the va over over the sump they're 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 recognizing it the doctors are recognizing it but what is it going to take more more scientific data is it like what what is it going to really be to be able to get veterans the medicine they need i think it's people like uh, australis and people and their management team that are focusing on veterans. They have a management team that one of their people is uh, parents who are involved with uh, the Navy, military, and stuff like that. And they're advocates for cannabis because they see the medicinal benefits versus the opioid addiction. And you need it with therapy. Right now, the major thing is that you can't just go out and smoke weed and not have therapy if you have a medical and or uh, a psychological issue. 
you need therapy with it. You need to be able to talk. But bringing it with other veterans and having different groups is the way to do it. So when you're talking to these lawmakers and, um, you know, um, I would and other veterans, are they open minded in recognizing the benefits of, of using cannabis as part of PTSD treatment? Because, as you said, you know, that it, it should be, you know, accompanied with some kind of therapy. But, um, you know, is that something that they're recognizing and seeing or do you still have this tide of, you know, people seeing it as, you know, the devil's weed or reefer madness or anything like that? So, you know, has there been a change in the in the reaction to people when you come talk to them? I think that I think that yes, there is on a positive and a negative side of both. I see people that are starting to recognize it that have problems and finding out that economically the drugs don't work and they're utilizing cannabis instead and finding out that the drugs didn't work but created more problems and the cannabis works. We find this out through demos that we do and people utilize it and they say, whoa, and they stop literally using some of the drugs, especially on with the skin and stuff like that on topicals that everybody's trying to promote. So uh, as far as, you know, what people are realizing, I don't think that a lot of celebrities, I think that they're not, they have a great story about songs and about movies, but they don't have a great story about the medical excess, uh, medical benefits of it on cultivating you know, like I, I was associated with the Marley family a lot. They used to come to my restaurant when they were young, the Melody Makers, Ziggy and all of them. And uh, even Bunny Whaler. Wow. Very cool. Them, them picking up a name, you know, like I, they, they have a name, Marley's Natural and all of that. But it's it, Bob. You know, like it wasn't about that, to utilizing the name in that format. It was great for singing. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people like Snoop Dogg and they're all advocates for it. But, it's you know, with Bob Marley, what weed was was the healing of the nations. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, brought, it brought all people together. It wasn't about money. If money's all you want, money's all you get. It's great to make money and the good it does. And that's what that's what we're about. And that's why we teamed up with Australis mm -hmm. and uh, Aurora, because the people that are going to make the money on it are the shareholders. But the board and people like that, they make a salary. You know what I mean? So they mm -hmm. have to have the love for what they're doing. And that's why I teamed up with them. But I, as far as with I think that celebrities like Whoopi Goldberg and stuff like that, they put their name behind things. They're good at what they do, but they don't have a story on the trials and tribulations to get there and the real medical benefits of what they've seen. And I think that that's what needs to be out there behind the brand. That's why we started Mr. Natural because the word natural, mm -hmm. it's like kind of everybody's natural inside. Even Bob said that in one song, natural mystic blowing in the air. So <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's in all of us, you know what I mean? So I think that when people realization is that Weed is a natural element. It's part of our own human tree of life that let's just stay natural. Yeah, and I want to kind of like go back to 
to your brain back in the 60s and 70s and thinking about the legalization movement in America, did how how do you view it right now? Did you like back going back then? Did you think it was going to take this long for cannabis to finally become legal? And then how do you think? Uh, what do you think about the the way it's currently going? Because there's a lot of complaints that you know um, the naturalness of it has kind of fallen to the wayside and it's become very corporatized. So I'd love your your thoughts on that, considering you've you've been involved for so long. I never thought it was ever going to be legal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> but as far as uh, the natural, it is because what's happened is when, when anything becomes legal, it's just like the word organic. They use the word natural and organic on everything, you know, but they don't they don't tell you even organic chemicals are bad if you use too much of them. And, you know, our, our body's organic. The point is, is that what, what scares me about it is all the companies that want to make money, the nutrient companies, the pesticide companies that want to destroy it because they use the word natural. They use the word cultivation. They, you know, a lot of our terms, we watch them on, on Instagram and the social media because we're part of all the social medias. And we just, I laugh at it the way that we started names and people copy the names, but they don't, it, it, it's not for the good. It's sort of bad. Like they, they'll steal names of, of cannabis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, that's why we trademark Mr. Natural on the national level. Like our lion is trademarked. We have a, a, a leaf with an RX on it. That's trademarked under the production company. And we trademark when California was legal to trademark strains and different elements of cannabis. We trademark Mr. Natural, Inc. Marijuana, Mr. Natural for recreational and both. So we, 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 we trademarked the name to specify if we put our name on one of our products, it's our product. It's not somebody else that's a copycat. Because copycats to me, I, I'll only use that in a slang term. I think competition is great for us because we always want to get better. So if we find a better product out there, we would like to get better than them especially if it's on a natural element, because I don't think you should stop. I think that, you know, everybody produces flour. We haven't found any better than ours yet. So we, we got into different skews, as we were put it. We started making canagards. We started making uh, different lotions. We started making asteroids. We started making cones. And we started using rosin, which we feel is a lot better than... Uh, a lot of CO2 oils, because a lot of them, all that they really buy is trim from other people, and they use uh, other elements to break it down. Where rosin, all it is is heated, pressed, and it comes directly from the plant and cannabis. We don't let out strains or stuff like that or, or our recipe because we don't want it altered or duplicated. Like I was strange, we don't want to let them out and then all of a sudden say they got them from us and then ruined the, our name. Yeah, dilute the brand. Uh, Bob, you, you said something earlier that kind of struck me that you never thought it would be legal. And I mean, from a federal standpoint, it certainly isn't. Do you, so being that, that you're in this place where it's, it's kind of partly legal, depending what state you're in, um, what do you think is going to happen on a, from a federal standpoint in the next two to five years? 
I hope that to Astralis and potentially Aurora, if they'll link up uh, before it doesn't take two years, we'll be able to make it more federally legal for veterans because I'm, I'm federally legal. So like I travel with cannabis. I just don't travel in other countries with it. I can leave with it. So like, you know, like even in other States, you can challenge me, but in court, it doesn't matter because I'm federally legal. And that's because you're on, on this, the VA list. Yeah. Cause I have a prescription from the VA. But if I have, with my feelings, if I have a prescription, there's other veterans that are utilizing cannabis specifically should have prescriptions. So, you know, like what my circumstances is that like what I got out of Vietnam and Rastafari is don't give up your rights, stand up for the fight. You know, like these are the rights for everybody. You know, we, 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 we put, we send soldiers to war and they do things that are against humanity and, they could be arrested in the state doesn't allow them to smoke pot, you know, like, so it's, it's like this, the soldiers that are going that were born in California. So they, they go and they get, it was legal in California when they were born. So now they're in Louisiana and they're outside and they smoke a joint when they came out and all of a sudden you get put, you get arrested and fined. Some of that stuff is, is unreal. So it has to be brought out and known. Excuse me when I say this. My story is not about me. It's about every veteran. It's mm-hmm. just uh, everybody, every, every veteran, when I thank God and I thank, I thank people that have been behind me for allowing me to go forward where I'm not one of those people that are in jail and stuff like that because we have to stand up because there's more rights to cannabis than wrong. It's more beneficial. We were scorned when we came back from Vietnam. That's why I learned so much. It's my mission about cannabis. My wife, I met her. She's a cannabis advocate. I've been married twice. I have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I want a better society. I don't want a a terrible society where we are now. And it's people, that's why I said before, it's you. We're the roots. Right now, you're the flowers on the trees, man. They can drop the seeds all over. You know, we grow. And we make different products, but it's you that makes it known. That's just social media, man. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. And how lucky are we to have these jobs, though, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, so, I am from from New Jersey. Lived in New York City, and I am based in LA. So I'm in the the KCSA LA office. Um, and Nick come Nick is in New York City by way of Arizona. Hey, how about this? Originally, I was born in New York, lived in New Jersey, and I'm in California. Ah, where in New Jersey? <laughs> well, I was from Bergen County area around there, Colstead. Ah, I'm a Monmouth County girl, Jersey Shore. I, but you know what? I lived in I lived in Long Branch, and I also I that's where I was born. I was born in Long Branch. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my grandparents were on Chelsea Avenue. <laughs> okay. Oh we definitely God, don't neighbors. need this in the podcast, but yeah, that's amazing. I know exactly where Brighton Avenue is. <laughs> hey, ironically, I used to get cannabis from the windmill. 
No way. The windmill is still there. I brought my husband there for the first time. And for those of you who don't know what the windmill is, it's cheese fry. It's delicious cheese fries, hot dogs, and it's open really late night. So after the bars closed, everyone went to the windmill. I did not know they sold weed, though. Interesting. Well, this, this is way back in 1970, <laughs> Oh, man. Everybody from New Jersey is just going to nerd out I on know. that portion of the episode. <laughs> the windmill is going to be very confused when people start coming up being like. <laughs> I, was sta- I was stationed near there, so I had an apartment on, on Brighton. In Fort Monmouth. Fort Monmouth, yeah. yeah I was stationed yeah. there for a couple. Yeah, so you still came back and wanted weed. And I, we knew some people that were in the service and said that they got some weed that was from Thailand there. So, you know, everybody knew it because there's a lot of people from Fort Monmouth and a lot of people, you know, weed used to come in from, say, during that time period through McGuire Air Force Base. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is insane. Um. Yeah. So, so Bob, you've been really generous with your time. We really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to, uh, to join us and, and chat with us. Before we kind of get into our, our last question, I wanted you to give a, a chance to let us know uh, where, where can uh, people that are interested in trying the Mr. Natural products, where are you guys currently uh, able to be found? Uh, well, we'll be found in Nevada. It, you, it, wait, unless they still have product on the shelves in California, but pretty much that gets sold out because I'm notified that on the social media. Mm. I just sold in. Uh, we just got acquired in the end of February, although we were involved with it for a while. But before I would sign a deal, I had to really know about the management team. And Astral's has got the best management team. I know of Aurora's already because I've been in touch with them for three years. Nice, nice. So, uh, you know what? But I was really close with Colas in Northern California. But I get Southern California's been contacting me because we were we we were featured. You know, they, they this guy Garibaldi. You know, he's a major artist. Did this huge portrait of me, and they did this book and stuff. They've done a story on me in uh, the Sacramento Bee. So our product, and we used to go on demos because I'm a very big advocate, and I'm on point so i believe in showing people you know like the product so well we'll make sure that we put a link to the uh, to where people can actually um find it and the and the website and stuff because you've got a great website we'll make sure that we put that in our in our show notes so people can can find you yeah i think i think it's on the, the mistnatural.com perfect um, well, Bob, to, to kind of round out the interview, this is a, a question that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, and so I, I think I have an idea of where you're going to go with this, but I, I'm still very interested in, in what you're going to say. But um, what do you think is the most underreported story uh, out there right now about the cannabis industry? Like if you were going to open up the Sacramento Bee, the, the Los Angeles Times, or even the Wall Street Journal, what story do you think they should be covering right now? Uh, I think that they should be covering more medicinal use than recreational use. I think that there's a, a, a wide variety of research and development that could be going into medicinal use, especially with veterans and especially with, with homeless and opioid addiction, because that's what it seems to be involved with. And ironically, it, it, it's, it, it can bring focus on nations. So it, 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 there's a lot of problems involved with other countries, but even involved with the cannabis industry, everybody gets their their products from cannabis from China. And what I'm talking about, like 
their their devices that they use for batteries for mm-hmm. their, you know, like for their vape pens and stuff like that. Like so, I think that it needs to stay focused. The cannabis is 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 can bring a lot of countries together more economically. I think that's great. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, we've been talking with, uh, Mr. Natural himself, Bob Luciano. Uh, we'll make sure to put, uh, some links into the show notes, but Bob, Mr. Natural, thank you so much. We really appreciated your time today. Thank you so much for having me and have a great day. You too. You too. Our thanks again to Mr. Natural, Bob Luciano. Uh, find out more about his company, Mr. Natural, at themrnatural.com. Uh, and as always, if you want to chat with us, check us out on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush, on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast, or email us at greenrush at kcsa.com. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite pod- podcatcher. 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 One take, Shay. One take. <laughs>